We all have paradigms and roadblocks that prevent us from excelling, and they can be real or imagined. Welcome to Beyond Bricks, a podcast that will give you the ability to break through those walls. Here's Dr. Nathan Unruh. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Nathan Unruh, and welcome back to Beyond Bricks. I am excited to have a special guest with me today. Uh, Not only is he a good friend, he's been my mentor, he's been a business partner with me, and he's taught me uh, some principles about money that changed my life, changed the trajectory of my relationship with money, how I manage money, how I teach my kids to manage money. And I know that there's going to be some nuggets in this conversation. So wherever you are, grab a piece of paper and a pen and get ready to change your whole perspective on money. So, Dr. C, welcome. Thanks, Dr. Nathan. It's good to be with you this morning. I want to just dive in. And you wrote a book called Seven. Why did you write this book? And what is that? What's the book about? It's kind of a long story, but I'll be as concise as I can. I've always been uh, a, f- uh, a learner and a devotee of knowledge and information. I realized early on in my career that we really have three key relationships that will govern our success, our happiness, and really quantify or qualify the, uh, the, the level of, of success we have in all aspects of our life. First one is the relationship that we have with other people, our spouse, or our, our children, our church, our community, the relationship that we have with the entire world, who's in part of it, where, how we fit in here, and then ultimately the relationship that we have with money, in a subset of money is the relationship we have with our work. If we have a good day at work, we're feeling pretty good, we got a little swagger, that's gonna lead to more money, and more money leads to more affluence, and the whole attitude changes. All three of those relationships really permeate each with each other. So as I dove into the the aspect of money, I come from a very conservative background. My dad was very fiscally responsible as a teacher educator, raised four kids on a teacher's salary. Uh, and as a result, you can imagine it was pretty frugal around our house at Christmas time. My mom's biggest joy in life was buying Christmas presents for her kids. And so she, every fall she would substitute teach to make a few bucks a day so she could but buy Christmas presents for the family and not put a financial burden on the rest of the household. So money was a big deal. And there's one thing I knew growing up, a lot of options and careers, the one thing I knew I didn't ever want to be was a teacher. And that was simply because I saw how hard my father was working and how little he was being compensated for the work that he does. Nothing against teachers. My dad was a teacher. My mom was a teacher. My brother was a te- is a teacher. My sister is a teacher. My other sister is a teacher. They all be- followed my dad's footsteps except me. And now today in my career, I find more fulfillment from teaching than anything else. Uh, ironic. It wasn't the affluent journey that got me to the opportunity to do what I'm doing here. So the seven came about because of all, how I was uh, living my life. I had uh, compartmentalized everything. And I had literally seven different accounts that I would put money into every single week. And the first one was my office overhead expense account. But all the money that came in, that was the holding tank for all the rest of my money. And then I made weekly disbursements out of that. Next one was a tax account. One of the things that I see the biggest challenge most business people have is that when they get behind on income taxes, they don't plan accordingly, and pretty soon they have the IRS as a business partner. Worst business partner you could ever have is the IRS because they're going to lead and manage everything and control how you invest in your business, what you take out of your business. Stay away from IRS debt, so make sure you're planning accordingly, and that allows you the ability, if you do it weekly, not to, to have a lot of challenges. 
Third one is you got to have a, a house account. House account is your account where you are literally putting money in to, to meet the budget of your home expenses every week. Wealth account, debt reduction account, giving account, and a fund account round out the top seven. Thus, the book was became known as seven. I love it. And here's the thing. So listen, what I want you to hear there, and he went through that at a very high level. We're going to give you the opportunity of where you can get your hands on this book. Also, we've put together training on this that you can also get your hands on too. But here's the thing that when I started and you taught me this system, the biggest thing that it helped me was is that spend every dollar. Spend every dollar. So talk about that for a moment. There are also seven rules. One of the first rules of creating affluence is to wake up broke every week. You spend every dollar that we make. It's a natural tendency, no matter how much money we make or produce, we will be spending it all the time. And so the governing principle for a small business owner, and anybody for that matter, is to spend everything you make. But if you have the discipline to only spend it in one of those four high-level accounts, you still have it. It's just spent and invested properly. So you only get, how many times you get to spend a dollar? Once. One time. So when that dollar is in your wallet and now it's not, it's gone and gone forever. But if you take that dollar out of your wallet and you spend it into one of your seven accounts, let's say it's the debt reduction account and you save enough money in there every week so that in a few months you've got $1,277 and your visa bill is $1,277, you write that check immediately out of the debt reduction account, pay off that debt, and now you have one less payment, one less person who has their hands on you and you're on your way to having financial affluence and being out of debt very quickly. Yeah. And let's talk about debt for a minute. As Americans, we've learned that debt is okay. And we're, we're sold that every single day in all the way, how we, how we consume our lives. Talk to us just about debt for a second. Cause I know one thing for me, I thought it was okay. There's yeah. a point in time where I thought in my own mind, hey, debt's okay. But then I also started to understand, as long as I have it, I'm, I'm kind of a slave. You definitely, definitely become a slave and you lose your options. If you're going into your later years in life and you still have a, a large mortgage and a lot of payments and all of a sudden you're now living on Social Security or in your investment portfolio, it's a big challenge. So going into those senior years, debt-free is a really beneficial, allows you to have a much higher quality of life later on. But to speak to debt, there, to me, it's real simple. There's, there's good debt and there's bad debt. And what I mean by that is that it, consumer debt is going to be a challenge. And if you're running high balances on all of your credit cards and you think you see a purchase that you want to make, but you have your credit cards tapped out and you go get a new credit card because you can get them for nothing or you're getting it because you get the points, you're planning to be in bondage for the rest of your life. If you can't afford to pay cash for most consumer purchases, it's probably the fact you can't afford that purchase. Rethink your timeline. There's nothing that's that urgent from a consumer purchase. If you save the money for four or five, six weeks, you may get to the point where you decide, I don't really need that new pair of shoes that much. I don't need that new purse. I don't need that new car yet. And you discipline yourself that way. Good debt, man, if you're going to put an investment, let's say you got $100,000 laying around and you put it under your mattress, right? In a year from now, you come back, that $100,000 is worth about ninety eight. That wasn't a very good investment, right? So, But if you're going to take $100,000 and invest it in your business, if you're going to invest it in a, some other thing, and now that investment is paying that return, 
Now you have a different lineup. So if you invest in your business, you borrow $100,000. I don't really have a problem with that. If you see a pathway that that 100 is going to become 200 in the next two years, and you're going to knock that debt out very quickly. Here's what I want everybody to hear there. Because we believe the stories that we tell ourselves. So I just, when you were going through the, I want to make this purchase because I'm going to get these points on the credit card. Yeah. I mean, I hear people tell me that. Well, just do that. We, just, we get the, all these points. Like somehow the purchase was free now all of a right. sudden. Or are the, you know, we, I think there's so many examples of that. I'm, I'm not going to pay my student loan debt because the interest rate is low. Yeah. And I, I talk to doctors and other, even other business owners that have student loan debt. And they're 50. And they're 50. <laughs> I'm going, dude, you make millions of dollars and you got, well, my debt interest rate is only at three point, whatever it is. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. See, here's one of the challenges with debt. Debt stress. Reiterate, debt stress comes in two forms. One is the amount of money that you owe in total, totality. And two, from the number of people you owe. Mm. So if you've got yes. car payment, Macy's payment, student loan payments, uh, house payment, boat payment, cabin payment, you now have 15, 20 people that have their hands in your wallet taking money out of your income every day. Well said. Great perspective. So one of the things we look at when we make these purchases is not how much is the purchase, it's how much do we pay per month. How much can I give? Oh, I can afford that payment. $800 for a car payment? No sweat. Well, 800 times 12 is a pretty significant amount of $9,600 a year. My math off the top of my head is close. Yeah. So when you're looking at that, no, more than that. You're looking at that, you're starting to look at a significant amount of expenditure. Now you got $10,000 in monthly payments here. You got $400 cable bill. And what do we call that? That is called lifestyle creep. And lifestyle creep means that once you've experienced something, it's very difficult to go back. I joke with a lot of people I talk to about this, that it's easy to get out of debt very quickly. You go sell your house and nothing against mobile homes, but buy a single wide mobile home and you'll be out of debt if you take the equity out of your house and move into a, a very a camper, right? But it may also be the most expensive decision that you make because it'll probably end up costing you half of everything you own because your spouse might not be on board with that level of financial triage and has developed a certain standard of living that he or she is not willing to, to sacrifice. So the big thing in getting a lifestyle and your finance on track, simply make that decision. We're not going to go backward, but we're not going to creep forward at an accelerated pace to keep up with the Joneses and the Smiths and the Barneses. It's very easy to do. And you don't even realize it's happening. That's why I think that the seven account system is so important because you're looking at your money every day and every week. Because you're, you're, you're investing in those accounts every week. So the process keeps everything real crystal clear. And if you stick to the routine and make the routine your reward, I love it coming to the end of the year and having a conversation with my wife. Hey, babe, look at what happened. Yeah, it's exciting. It's fun, right? And I'm going to tell you, though, we have some conversations throughout the year, every 90 days when we relook at it. They have, those conversations, they, they're not always fun. But again, we're doing it together and we're pressing it in together and planning together. And so I think there's the caveat there when you say that those conversations are not fun. The reality is, honey, we can't afford this yet. Yeah. Doesn't well, mean we usually, can't do it. And she usually is telling me that. Yeah, well, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the conversation is, is, is not gender specific. It is simply 
adding the word yet. It doesn't mean we can't have the granite countertops and the sub-zero fridge or the swimming pool. It means we can't have it yet because we're not going to buy it on credit. We're not going to mortgage our future to have a swimming pool. We're not going to mortgage our future to have a brand new car. We're not going to mortgage our, our, our life in the future to have a short-term pleasure today. But doctor, see, I deserve it. You know what? The research shows you do deserve it if you're doing the work for it. And once you do the work and you accumulate the asset to make the purchase, by gosh, you do deserve it. And so that's the difference. And that's why, where the fund account comes in. So when my wife and I went through this process, we literally got out of debt in 18 months, house, student loans, cars, everything in 18 months, but we never spent any money. We were looking at doing a renovation in our house and we had lawn chairs in our living room and the architect drew the lawn chairs in to the living room because he thought there was some special chiropractic chair that we <laughs> wanted to put in our newly remodeled house. And it was the only chairs sitting by the fireplace. So the reality is you fast track all this stuff and you can be very disciplined, very consistent, but then you wake up one day and you're out of debt, but you're at zero. You have no money, no assets, no nothing. And it's a really kind of a, a, a double-edged sword and a bitter pill. So, so Yeah, so you got to balance that. you got to balance out. And that's where the seven, the fund yeah. account comes in. That's where yeah. the debt reduction account and the wealth account. So at the time you get out of your debt, you also have 25% of your what you pay off in your debt. By the time you run through the plan, you have paid off all of your debt and you have at least 25% of what your debt level. I love it. So, okay, we're going to, if you, if you want the book seven, reach out to us. And we'll get you that book. And also we can show you our training that we have as it relates to that book. So you got to reach out to us to get that. But what I want to close in this conversation with, because I've watched you, I've watched what you've done over your life. I've tried to model many of these principles. But one of the things that is a simple thing that has helped me, and I want you to share with his listeners, is even how you have the money in your wallet and how it's positioned. Because it shows us the relationship with our money and how important it is? Interesting question. I'm going to pull my wall out to see if I'm actually living what I, what I say I do. But one of the things that you're referring to is the fact that we need to respect our money, right? And in order to have money, you need to respect it. So if you look at my wallet now, what do you see? $100 bills. And there's a few of them, but where are all the, the denominations? They're all lined up together. All the president's heads face the same way. Everybody's in their nice little role and the money's very respected. On if you're just starting, there's something about cash that I still think is really critical, and I'll get a lot of millennial pushback on this statement. But money has energy and money has a flow to it. And when you have your money in your wallet, money in your purse, and everybody's respected, every time I look at my wallet, I know those guys are getting taken care of and they're gonna take care of me. They're respected. The story when you bring this up reminds me I was happened years ago, man, it's probably 25 years ago, I was having pizza with my brother who was the teacher. And of course, I always got to buy, right? So I said, how come you never buy pizza? And he goes, why don't I have any money? I said, well, let me see your wallet. And he throws his wallet out to me and he had $8 in it. But his dollars were all crumpled up. He His wallet was, you know, this thick. He had a uh, an old phone number of high school sweetheart in there and pictures and all this crap. I said, dude, that's not a wallet, that's a briefcase. Get a wallet, put your two credit cards and your driver's license in there, and then go to the bank and get a $100 bill and take your $8 and put that on the inside. And every time you open your wallet, I want you to see that $100 bill for a while. Right now, you are living in such a, such a sense of poverty. You can't go and buy anything 
without putting it on a credit card because you got no cash. And every time you do that, you end up mentally going further in debt and having to pay that off. So cash, put the dom dominations when you start the hundred on the outside. Once you get it to the, once you get it to the where you have complacency, change the flow. Put the ones and the fives on the outside because you're going to spend the one and the five way more often than you're going to typically spend the hundred. And that's respecting the flow, respecting the presidents, respecting the energy of having cash and money. So go back to how we started the relationship with money. Listen to just what your mindset does by having the money lined up correctly, the $100 bill there, it makes you respect it. It changes the mindset. It changes how you treat it. But here's the thing. We don't want to worship it. We want to respect Always it. respect, never worship it. People always ask me, how much should I carry around me? I said, I don't care. Do you know how many times I've lost my wallet in the last 25 years? Zero, because I have respect for this. So to me, I would always carry around, if you're in the entry level level of your income, a couple hundred bucks might give you enough of a pucker factor that if I lose that, it's going to affect me. I found a wallet one time when I was a kid, $400 in the cash, right? Called the person up. I was like 18, 17 years old. That was their rent money and their groceries for a month, right? That doesn't make a lot of sense. That's too much of a risk. But if I got enough in here that if I lose this, it's going to hurt a little bit but it's never going to derail my, my plan and my level of affluence. But I'll learn a very valuable lesson. I love it. I love it. So this is great. Thank you for being here, Dr. C. Again, you got to read the book, but you can't just read it. You got to go live it out. And if you do, I will guarantee you it'll change your life. Thanks again. You can find more thoughts on how to move beyond bricks at drnathanunruh.com. 